Welcome to Unboxing Queer History, a podcast from Gerberhart Library and Archives. Gerberhart is a library and archive with collections that focus on LGBTQ culture and history of Chicago and the Midwest. In each episode, we focus on the story of a particular collection in the Gerberhart Library and Archives. Today, we bring you our inaugural episode about a very special collection, Miss Tilly, the Dirty Old Lady of Chicago. I love my jewelry. I have necklaces. I have chandelier earrings. I, I, I put everything on but the kitchen sink. Anything that sparkles is Tilly. I am original, I am me, and I've been performing in Chicago for 37 years. Miss Tilly was a famous Chicago drag performer from the 60s through the 90s. Every box in the Gerberhart archive is so much more than what meets the eye. Flyers, notes, papers, books, and photos all tell the incredible story of a particular life lived in a particular era that sheds a shining light into a whole world. I think... Tilly's story is so important because her story tells a much bigger story. This is Owen Keenan. Owen is a queer grassroots historian who lives in Chicago. I'm interested in sort of, you know, simpler local stories. But again, that's like what I I think history is. Is history, I think, the more you focus on sort of people living in history, the more you learn about history. History isn't about like all the big stuff, but like when we're talking about Tilly, if you use Tilly as sort of your vehicle to go through an era, it's it's like having your own personal tour guide. It's what I love about history. To like, like Tilly is my tour guide to, you know, 60s bar life on Clark Street or something like that. And it's it's very, it's a nice welcome. I'm Carrie Barnett. I was on the Gerberhart board in the early 90s, and then I served as the president from 2013 to 2017. The story of Miss Tilly's collection starts on a winter's day. And so it must have been December or January, and this woman came in, and she said, um, I'm moving, and... I was really good friends with this drag queen and I have all of the photos and posters and everything and I didn't want to throw them away. Do you want them? We were like, uh, we do. We do want them. So we went out to her, her car, which she had pulled up onto the, to the sidewalk and she opened up the trunk and there were these um, photo albums, like like with the plastic sheeting over every picture. And then there was that giant box of the of the big. It was a Kodak box, and it's a Kodak on the outside. A big box filled with all pictures of herself, like all different clothes, all different backdrops, professionally done, 
most very professionally done. And you open it up and there's this like portrait of Tilly in, in the most, in the most swanky um, rat pack in a nightclub photo you could ever see, right? My mind was blown. And this woman was like so, hey, I've had this crap in my basement. Do you want it? I mean, that's really what it was like. I mean, the wardrobe alone of Tilly is is amazing. Even the curtains in the background and the lamps of the Tilly pictures are amazing. And into the archives she went. Hundreds of photos. Um, this is Miss Tilly's box. This collection belonged to Tilly, the dirty old lady of Chicago. So you're seeing there's just all these folders full of photos. This is Jen Dentel, a longtime volunteer turned programs and social media coordinator here at Gerber Hart. This is her favorite collection. One of the first things I did as a volunteer actually was helping to take all of the photos of Tilly out of the albums that they came in. So it came in these, you know, the albums from the 50s and 60s that have, you know, they start sticking and they're not acid free. So the first thing we did was take all of those photos out of the albums and then put them into acid free paper, basically so that they don't degrade anymore. I remember being really stressed out, uh, trying to not rip any photos, taking them off of the pages. But luckily, almost all of the photos were able to come out. We did have a couple that were damaged, just, I don't know if there's water damage or something like that, but we put all of the photos from the albums, we put them inside of these folders, and then they're each separated uh, with this kind of acid-free tissue paper almost, so that they're preserved and people can continue enjoying them outside of these binders that were actually damaging them. Tilly's kind of a mystery, but she has just such a wealth of photos. Glamour studio, lots of feather boas. Strappy pumps, um, fishnets. She's got a long dress where, you know, it's bearing one shoulder. Very long wig, the, the big chandelier earrings, and she's holding her drink and just kind of looking right at the camera. I love the beauty mark, too, the oh, Drummond beauty mark. Yeah, I mean, she's got the, the pin-up cat eye. She's got kind of the silk glove, almost, or is that her part of her sleeve? There's fringe. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. You can see that this was taken out of studio. Cleavage for days. This is a cape. Just a touch of blush to her cheeks. You know, there's like an old recliner in the background and then a crate of life magazines but Tilly is all glammed up she's got her fishnets on with seams and what looks like diamond jewelry and large chandelier earrings and her hair's all up and she's got makeup on and false eyelashes they're beautiful they look very post-war to me they look very like 1947 to 52 like there's a certain era there and then I think they moved to Chicago but most of them are in black and white. And then it goes, I mean, it goes through like the 90s. So then you get into, you know, color photos, obviously, and more digital. I really want to know the story of somebody who has a box with this many professional pictures done of themselves with amazing things like dresses that would match curtains. And um, Tilly is the hardest person I have ever tried to research. I came there to do research and I heard there was a documentary on Tilly and it was wonderful. They got it out for me at Gerber Hart and the fact that that documentary exists is just amazing. I mean, hearing Tilly talk about herself and reading a couple interviews, you know, smaller interviews in local papers and stuff with Tilly, that's really 
all there is. And that's what's so fascinating is because what you know about Tilly is what Tilly tells you. I'm doing uh, Living Alone and Like It by Sophie Tucker. That is my first song I ever did. I came to Chicago, entertaining in a gay club. The front page in 1962. According to the columnist. Seeing the documentary really kind of opened a door. Gentlemen and I have named the date, which I must deny. He's rich and handsome and gallant, and everything a gal could want. I think it was sort of that um, kind of raunchy persona that was Tilly's specialty. Um, she liked to do Sophie Tucker. Um, oddly enough, the Alice Faye version of Hello, Dolly. Never, never, <laughs> never the Ethel Merman, just Alice Faye singing Hello, Dolly. Um, she liked to do It Should Have Been Me. It's about, a, I believe it's a woman watching her Oh, get married to someone else. So, with a touch of Tilly. I think those were mainly her specialties. I'm living alone and I like it. Tilly was from Ohio and came here in like the early 60s and worked at a couple smaller bars before she started working at the Chesterfield, which was kind of a big, not a big, it was, it was a more popular show bar on Clark Street by Diversi. It was there that, that um, Tilly sort of started to take off. She got along well with Roby Landers, who was the stage manager there at the time. Uh, Roby even is the one who called Tilly the dirty old lady for the first time because when Tilly wasn't on stage, Tilly was usually um, flirting with a few boys at the bar. From the stage, Roby introduced her as the dirty old lady of Chicago. One year, honey, uh Sidetrax gave me a horse-drawn carriage, honey, and I put a hustler in there with me, and they fixed me up a container, honey, of, of vodka and seven, and that son of a bitch drank it all. Oh, he was so drunk, even the horse didn't. You know, those were stories that, as far as I know, were not written down anywhere. They made $9 a night plus tips, so $18 a week plus tips. Um, and, and Roby Landers is also the one that named Tilly the dirty old lady because Tilly would always have these young gay guys hanging around her at the bar and would have like a line of drinks, like gin and tonics waiting, <laughs> waiting for her to drink of guys that had, that had bought Tilly drinks. So that's sort of where Tilly got her roots. Tilly went on to perform at places all over town. Finally, in the early 70s, there was more and more gay-owned bars opened. And I worked wherever they wanted to pay for a female impersonator to come and do a show all up and down Halstead. And I got to be known, quite, uh, quite well known, I should say. Tilly, to me, was like the ultimate of almost the compartmentalization of life. I mean, even with work, and working, working the day job and working as Tilly. Tilly never would perform on Sunday nights because Tilly worked on Monday. And working for that uniform company was a big deal. And those two lives never, never blended together. It's, so that's, it's fascinating to me because in researching her, I can't even find a real name. How is that even possible? Like, how is you have the 
so-and-so was born this day in Dayton, Ohio, you know, and try to give as much and like, I don't know what happened, but it's, it's amazing to me. Um, and I love the fact that so much of Tilly's story is based on her stories. So Tilly always, or would speak, I know in what I've read from interviews and in the documentary, she talks about, I am Tilly, I am this creation. And it's, it's true. You put that wig on, that can make you or break you. When I have the dress on, I am just like Jekyll and Hyde. I am entirely a different person. My personality changes and everything. And everyone tells me I am a very elegant bitch. From a researching point of view, it's incredible. I just, for someone to be so documented and yet so undocumented at the same time, it's, it's fascinating. A gay audience is the best audience to work for. Queens seem to appreciate you more. Tilly is Tilly, and I don't try to copy up anybody. I mean, Tilly also had a very interesting career in that Tilly came here in 61, performed for a period, and then went to Chesterfield and performed at the Chesterfield until 1966. Then didn't perform at all after the queer after the drag bars closed in Chicago for two years, um, until performing at Sparrows. Like didn't go perform in Indiana, just stopped. So bar raids happened, you know, throughout in Chicago. I mean, it was happening all the way through the seventies, even. So we have lots of newspaper articles that talk about these bar raids at Gerber Hart. You know, we have people activist groups that were fighting against it. This is something that was really common that that happened throughout Chicago, throughout the U.S. Tilly is not only Tilly the person, but Tilly embodies the bars at the time and attitudes at the time. Then the post-World War period, it was the first time we were able to actually come together. So we're coming together, we're coming out of the shadows, we're congregating, we're meeting other people, and our whole lives, LGBTQ people had been told, you're sick, you know, or not your, but queer people are sick, they're depraved, they're deranged, all this stuff. So when we all get together and start meeting one another, we're starting to see like, well, you know, we're not that, that's not true. And so you start to develop a sense of community and uh, network. And, you know, bars were the next thing. Anybody who went to bars a lot during that period, if you worked at a bar, you could almost guarantee you would be busted in at least one raid. Like, you know, you would be soliciting for prostitution. If you bought someone a drink, if you accepted a drink, you'd be, you know, same thing. Um, if you tried to say, I didn't do anything, I was just, you know, that would be resisting arrest. Another thing that would be horrible was a lot of times during the period, if um, a drag bar was to get busted, another kind of vile practice was to um, take the performers in in full drag and then not release them until like noon the next day. And it would be downtown. So it'd be, you know, after a night in jail, full sun, downtown, no money. 
um, just very um, disrespectful. You know, newspapers, main, you know, Chicago Tribune or sometimes, I can't remember which one, they would they would publish names of folks that were arrested. There was a really famous bar raid that happened at the Fun Lounge, you know, and they arrested over 100 people. So they couldn't print all of the names in the newspaper, but what they did, which was really nasty, was they went through and they picked the names of all the teachers, all the government employees, and they made sure to print those in the paper um, so that those people would lose their jobs. So it was something that had, these bar raids had really serious consequences. When you have an environment like this, I think your friends and your acquaintances and those people in the bars are your, going to be your close friends who you know will have your back and they will be comrades. There used to be talk about when, when there would be a bar raid and a lot of times it might be a raid and there'd be a paddy wagon that would just be heading north. So if they were at, somebody was at a bar or they were busting a bar at like Clark and Division, they would get on the phone and call the bars up at Diversity and Clark saying, we just got busted. They might be coming, you know what I mean? And it was very much, people were looking out for one another. And it was kind of a, it was underground and it was difficult. There were some really kind of beautiful things that came out of it too. And I find that sense of community like this, it's such a strong foundation that we're built on. I think one of the reasons why the Tilly collection is my favorite is just that it's such, it's such an expression of queer joy. And I think that often with, you know, with queer history, you know, you're hearing, you might hear a lot of tragedy, you know, you might focus on, um, you know, the arrests or, or the, you know, you're talking about AIDS, I mean, talking about all of these tragedies that have happened, but we don't focus on these, just these moments of community, these moments of happiness, and, and Tilly's collection is just such a beautiful representation of of that joy that we see in, in her performances and, you know, in her groups of friends and the celebrations that she's with, so I just, I, I absolutely love it. I think Tilly is a perfect example of why, um, it's important to leave behind sort of artifacts and photos and things like that. Um, so much, so much of our history is just lost. And if Tilly didn't, if those pictures had not found their way to Gerber Hart, um, you know, which included probably the the VHS tape as well, I probably have maybe a dozen pages written on Tilly's life. But without seeing that documentary, I'd probably have two, you know. So it's it was that important. There's just so much in here, and we know very little about her, but to have this much photographic evidence going back to the 40s is, is kind of unheard of. I think a lot of this, I mean, if that woman didn't know who we were, I think those photos might have gotten thrown out or they might have been lost after she had passed away or, you know, we don't know. Most of photos like this often don't exist because they were secretive. I love her so much for caring. As much as it was just stuff she had in the basement from her friend, she, she on some level knew that it was something that had 
value to the community. And so she took the time to, to, to like drive by on her way out of town to give it to us. I buy it, I wear it, and I like it. If I should go out riding with some nice young man and he makes the pass, I don't have to say yes, I don't have to take any of his stats. Car belongs to me, I'm paying for the gas. He can get right out of the car if he don't like it. When my gentleman friend comes up to my house for dinner, and it's very late when we finish with the wine, if in the morning I make it, his eggs and his bacon, it ain't nobody's business but mine. As you already know, I've had three matrimonial wrecks, and there's not going to be any fourth Mr. X. And I'll have you know I won't sign any more alimony checks. I'm living alone and like Unboxing Queer History is co-created by me, Ari Mejia, Jen Dentel, and Aaron Bell. Theme music by Danny Robles. This episode was produced by me, Ari Mejia. You heard footage from a documentary by Daniel Lee. Jen Dentel and Aaron Bell edited this episode. Special thanks to Carrie Barnett, Owen Keenan, Hannah Vitti, and Rails for making this podcast possible. Unboxing Queer History is funded by Rails My Library Is Grant. You can find this episode and others at gerberhart.org and wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn more about Miss Tilly? Come explore her archival collection at Gerberhart and make sure to follow Gerberhart on Facebook and Instagram for Tilly Tuesdays.